Well, I'm going to do my best to keep you awake. Um, might shout a little bit. Is that okay? All right. Man, we've got a lot of Pentecostals in here today. You're excited now. Okay. We are continuing in our series in James. And if you have your Bibles with you, I hope that you do, by the way. Uh, get that out and turn to the New Testament letter of James. If you find the back of your Bible, the maps, you just kind of go left just a little ways and you'll, you'll run into it. So we are in our fifth week, and we're still in chapter one. Um, that's the way I like to do things, though. Uh, we'll finish chapter one today. And some things that we've already learned about James is that he's the brother of Jesus, right? Imagine, imagine that, growing up with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. James is the brother of Jesus. And if you read through this, and hopefully as we go through this, so much of what James says will remind you of what Jesus has already said. Uh, things like mercy, things like compassion, some, some things like doing and not just hearing, right? Uh, those things remind us of what Jesus said. And here's the thing about James, too. He's also a pastor, okay? Um, James is the only uh, pastor to write a book of the Bible. Did you know that? I know, I know we can make a case for Paul. Paul, to me, was more of a missionary type person, more of a church planner type person, and James is really the only uh, person in all the Bible that is a pastor to actually write a book of the Bible. And so it's just a unique view. And, and I know I've heard this before. James steps on, my, steps on my toes, right? It's hard for me to listen to. Look, he has the heart of a pastor, right? He, just, he's, he is responsible for the spiritual growth of his people. And that is what he's passionate about. And, and who are his people? Who are James, James's people? Christians in, in the church in Jerusalem. But here's the thing. They're not in Jerusalem anymore, right? Uh, they're, they're fleeing. They have fled Jerusalem because of persecution, right? And so their lives have drastically changed. They're probably doubting. They're probably afraid. They're probably discouraged. They're probably sad. They're probably experiencing all these feelings uh, thinking that, wow, Christianity was supposed to be this, but now my life looks like this, and what do I do? All right. From that, we have the letter of James. It comes from that situation, but it comes from the heart of a pastor. Uh, James wrote to encourage these people and to encourage them in their faith, to strengthen them in their faith. Now, here's the thing about faith. God wants us to have real faith, doesn't he? He doesn't want us to have uh, artificial faith. He doesn't want us to have shallow faith. God wants us to have real faith. Here's a question. How do you know if your faith is real? It gets tested. It gets tested out. Right? Uh, you'll go through certain things that God has for you to, to test out the genuineness of your faith. Now, I don't know about you. But for me, many times I struggle. Many times I struggle in my faith. I do. I do. And look, I don't always have it all together. Maturing in faith and growing in faith is a process. It is a lifelong process. I, I've enjoyed watching my kids grow for the most part. You know, sometimes it's been headaches. But, you, you know, if you have kids, and especially those of you that have, had, that have older kids now, you, you saw your kids grow, didn't you? 
not only physically, right, but mentally, maybe emotionally, maybe socially. You've, you've got to see snapshots of their life over time, and there was a process. There was a growth process. Now, look, our faith is like that, all right? Faith is a process, and so if faith is a process, there are things that we need to do as we grow. There are foundational principles that we need to sort of keep coming back to time and time again. It's a cycle, and that's what we're going to learn about today. And our, our scripture focus is James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. So join me there in your Bible, and we'll pick up reading. The first thing that we, we learn about faith, the process of faith, is this. Real faith listens to God. Real faith listens to God. Verse number 19 is where we'll pick up. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. In other words, look, uh, this is important what I'm about, about to say is what James is saying. Write this down if you need to. Pay attention. I'm about to share something important with you. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires all right so James talked a lot about listening and the need to listen throughout his letter and apparently there was a problem here apparently there's a problem among the Christians with anger and with not listening right and I have to ask you has things really changed not that much right in a couple thousand years things haven't changed that much James offers us something and he says write this down take 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 note of this there's a pattern to follow here. Did anybody pick up on the pattern? Quick, slow, slow. It kind of sounds like a dance, doesn't it? Right, like the uh, some of some of y'all dance. I know what's it called? The foxtrot. <laughs> the uh, Texas two-step, right? That's what Brandon does. But it's, there, there's a process to it, right? Quick, slow, slow. Um, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, here's what we do. We do the opposite and in reverse order. How did we turn it around that bad, right? We're just, we're quick to anger. We're slow uh, to listen, and we're very quick to speak. We just get it all mixed up. And anger does so much to our lives. It affects so much of our lives. Not only physically does anger affect us individually, right? Um, anger sometimes causes high blood pressure. Um, it just affects your mood. It affect, it, there are certain health issues attributed to anger. Um, but many times anger affects our relationship with others, doesn't it? Uncontrolled anger leads to uncontrolled speech many times. And so we end up hurting others with our speech, and this is a big problem in this church. James, James talks about it time and time again. He'll mention it a little bit later. So anger makes it difficult for us to get along with others. But look, anger also affects our attention. It affects our focus. And it affects our reception to God. It does. In other words, anger affects our relationship with God. When we allow anger to reside within us, we can't hear what God's trying to tell us. Um, you know, many times when I'm riding in the car, for some reason, that's when I want to have conversations with my kids. 
because I've got them strapped in and they can't go anywhere, right? And I've got them right there where I want them and I think now's a good time to share some principles with my kids. But the DVD thing's playing, right? And I'm driving and you can just hear hear, uh, noises, you know, from the car, things like that. And no matter how loud I scream, they say, what? <laughs> even, when, even when I turn around and Angela says, don't do that. <laughs> they cannot hear. Um, it, it's like that when we, don't, when we harbor anger in our lives. We can't listen to God. And he's trying to talk to us. He's trying to teach us some principles. He try, he's trying to share some things with us. And we're not able to listen. Um, Not only that, not only that, but listen, when we're angry, sometimes we push back on what God is trying to teach us. Um, It's like there's a wall or there's a a barrier that we've put up. And look, look, remember that process we talked about, that process of growth? It stops. It stops. We stop growing. We stop maturing. And look at what James says. Human anger does not, does not, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Does not. We end up not becoming who God wants us to be. So, what does James say to do? Look at verse 21. Therefore, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. In other words, you can't hear from God if you harbor anger. So, get a grip on it. Get a grip on anger. Get it under control. You've turned the process upside down and around. Now you need to flip it back to where it's supposed to be. The process should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Right? And God wants us to hear what he has to say, and we need to listen. And we can't do that if we cannot control our anger. You might say, well, how do I do that? How do I control Anger, the key to controlling anger and listening to God is what? Being humble. Humility. Think about it. If, if somebody is angry all the time, most likely, who are they thinking about all the time? Themselves. Or my, what about my feelings? What about my desires? What about my interests? What about my voice? What about my opinion? You see, somebody like that that harbors anger, thinks about themselves all the time. James says, look, no, 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 no. Be humble so that you can accept the word from God that is planted. This reminds me, when I read this, I immediately thought about the parable of the soils in Matthew. And, uh, you know, the word or the seed that God is distributing, it, it falls on different types of soils. And you'll have the soft, the soft, humble soil that the seed falls on and it grows doesn't it it's planted but the hard soil the seed just bounces right off it doesn't go deep it doesn't grow and look it gets snatched snatched away if we listen to god if we hear from god if we keep anger under control if we humble ourselves the truths that he reveals to us are very important James says that it can save you, right? And and sure, that means salvation through the Word, through through Jesus Christ, uh, but it also has more of a comprehensive meaning here. 
God, remember the purpose of trials is God is desiring an outcome. And God is desiring an outcome for our lives. God is wanting to set you apart. God is wanting to transform and to change your life. Now God's word isn't just meant for information. It's meant for transformation. Yes, God wants to save us from sin and death, but God also wants to change us so that we can change the world. So the next step in the process of growing is real life, real faith lives out the principles of God's word. Real faith lives out the principles of God's word. The first step is what? Listening, right? But that's just the first step. There's another step. And James lists this out for us in verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's simple, isn't it? I mean, that is so straightforward and so simple for us. Um, don't listen. Don't just listen, but do. Right? Um, Nike's pretty popular now, aren't they? For probably all the wrong reasons. I mean, I can remember growing up in my early teens that Nike was just it, right? You had Nike shoes, Nike clothes, everything. Um, Nike has the most successful sports marketing campaign ever. They came up with a slogan. Does anybody know what that is? Yes, you all know that. That's great. Um, you're paying attention, you see? But the, the point in all this was to get people motivated, to get people to take the next step, to get people active, to get people up off the couch and involved in sports and athletics and exercising, and enough talk, do it, right? Enough listening to commercials, enough watching commercials, do it, just do it. And they, they, they were so successful in that. They, they spent a lot of money in advertising. They spent a lot of money in hiring top-level af- athletes, Michael Jordan and Bo Jackson and all that. It was just an amazing marketing campaign, and it worked. It worked. Look, listening is important, but it's not enough. It, James says that if you think that simply listen, listening or hearing is all you need to do, look, you're deceived. You, you've got the wrong impression, buddy, if you think that's all that you need to do is just simply hear, just simply listen. That is not what real faith is at all. So look at verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it, do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You know, during this time, it's interesting. There, there really were no, there were no photographs, right? No selfies or anything like that. Um, even mirrors were hard to come by. Um, they were not glass like what we have. They typically were polished metal. And so the very best that you can expect was a, a slight distorted image of your true self. You know, uh, Think about this. A person very well, very well could catch a glimpse of themselves once and not see themselves again for a long time. Right? It's different for us to think about who we, you know, we look in the mirror several times a day and we get to check ourselves and we, we, we remember what we look like. But you know, these folks, you know, they might forget after a while. But look at what James says of this person. 
this person, the person who just listens to the word and doesn't do. This person is like a person who looks in the mirror and as soon as they turn away, they forget. Not days down the road. As soon as they turn away, they forget what they look like. There's nothing there that sticks. There's nothing that penetrates. There's nothing that causes them to remember. James said a person who just listens is like that. They hear it, they listen, but it bounces off. It, goes, it literally goes in one ear and out the other. The word doesn't penetrate their heart. And what happens is they miss out on what God's trying to tell them. They miss out on the word of God. They miss out on what God is trying to reveal to them. But look at verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but what? But doing it. But doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So by contrast here, James contrasts two different groups of people. The person who doesn't just give a quick glance, but looks intently. And that, that word intently means looking with intention. All right. Looking with a purpose, hearing with a purpose. Whoever does that and continues in it doesn't forget. They remember. They hear from God. It sticks it soaks in, and that seed grows. It's not just a quick glance. It's a long stare, right? It's giving attention to God. It's a commitment to a lifestyle of hearing from God, of reading His Word. It's seeking to hear from God with this, with the expectation that He has something to tell only you. Only you. It's taking God's Word seriously, so seriously that you place your life under it. You place your life under it and you allow it to change you. You allow it to mold you and you allow it to motivate you to what? To action. To action. The, the person who listens and takes God's word seriously will act upon what they've heard. Act upon what God has revealed to them. They will listen to what God's telling them to the point that it results in obedience. Obedience. And what does James say of that person? Blessed. Wow. Are you kidding me? Blessed in what they do. In other words, the person who hears from God and acts on what they've heard is blessed. Right? Now, how great is that? Now, I'm not a fan of prosperity preaching, but this is pretty good, isn't it? I mean, you, you hear from God, you act on it, and you're blessed. That sounds like a great formula, doesn't it? I mean, do you want to be blessed? Yeah, sure. I want to be blessed. You want to be blessed. We want our lives to be blessed. And look, so many times blessings come on the other end of listening and doing. Hearing and obeying. So don't just listen, but live out the principles found in God's Word. You know what a mark of real faith is? A mark of real faith is when a person gets into this rhythm rhythm of listening and doing you know we talked about the dance before we've got many folks that dance and stuff like that the rhythm of a christian is listening and doing learning and applying hearing and acting when we do that when we do that our lives begin to change and that change is good for you but that change isn't just meant for you right change is meant for others as well. God changes you and me. God changes us so that we can change the world. Now, how does God do that? The last thing, 
Real faith loves the way God does. Real faith loves the way God does. Verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Now again, this must have been a real problem because James repeats it. He's just talked about it a little bit. He repeats it again and he'll even talk about it a little bit later in his letter. Look, bottom line, God isn't impressed by religion. God isn't glorified by people who say they were religious. God isn't honored by people who go through a system, who become robotic, who become ritualistic. God isn't moved by empty words. God isn't moved by superficial talk. And God definitely isn't moved when Christians use angry words against each other. God has never been impressed with lip service Isaiah said it, and it was so important that Jesus repeated what Isaiah said in the Gospel of Matthew. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You want to know what moves God? When a person's heart becomes like his. That's what honors God. Not what we say, but the reflection of our heart. Look at verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, what God wants for us, look, listen, what God wants for us is for you and me to look more like him. What James draws our attention to are two groups of people, orphans and widows. Why? Why these two groups? It's interesting. Well, at this time, think about the, the context of James. Right? Heavy persecution, displacement, scattered, people leaving their jobs, leaving homes. But they didn't have social services back then. They didn't have Medicare or Medicaid back then. Pretty much if you were an orphan or a widow, you had to provide for yourself. James uses these two groups of people because they, in his time, they were the most helpless and hopeless groups of people in the world, right? You know, our church has done a great job in this. Um, Over the past few years, we've been able to uh, raise thousands of dollars to benefit the foster care program through our golf tournament. So I just want to say thank you for those that sponsor holes for those that participate in the golf tournament you are showing the heart of God and you are changing lives as you do it Um, I just want to say thank you for those that have adopted we have many people in our church that have actually went through the process and have adopted you've shown the heart of God I want to say thank you to those that have sponsored a child through a Haiti uh, the Haiti orphanage You're displaying the heart of God when you do that. And I want to say thank you. And we have a care ministry here that um, does things, that sends cards and makes visitations and phone calls to the elderly, to the widows, to the sick. And I want to say thank you for showing the heart of God. You know, why should we care? Why should we care? Listen to me, I'm almost done. What does it matter? What does this have to do with me? 
If you're a Christian, let me tell you, it has everything to do with you. Everything. And this is why I like taking the time every now and then and going through a, 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 a book at a time. Because look at this in, in Ephesians. We just went through this book, and it's good that we can go back and see how it links, how God's Word ties together. You know why this applies to us? You know why this has everything to do with us? Because we're adopted. We've been adopted. We were helpless. We were hopeless. But God provided a way for us to be adopted into his family. Ephesians 1.5, look at this. He predestined us. God took the initiative. We couldn't do it on our, by ourselves and on our own, but he chose to act out of his love and out of his compassion and out of his mercy. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance to his pleasure and will. God did that. You're a Christian. You've been adopted. And look at this, look at this. What does that mean? Ephesians 5.1. So just flip it, 1.5 and then 5.1. Look at this. Therefore, follow God's example as dearly loved children. Because you and I have been adopted, we look and we see God's heart, we see God's compassion. Therefore, we look at that and we follow God's example. And we take that initiative in our own lives. And we show that same love. We display that same heart. You want to know what it really means to do the word of God? Reflect the Father's heart. Reflect the Father's love. Reflect the Father's grace and mercy. Look, everyone may not be called to adopt, but every Christian is called to imitate God and follow God's example and don't follow the rest of the world. Right? Who is, let me ask you this. Who is God calling you to love? Who is God calling you to to help what needs do you see around you where is God moving you to want to make a difference that is why look it's so important that we listen to God that we listen many times he is wanting us to make a difference many times he's wanting to reveal to us a situation or an example or a life that we can affect with good He's wanting us to be the hands and feet of Christ in a broken and in a sad world. You know, many times we look around and all it takes is us turning on the, uh, the internet or turning on the news and we say, what in the world's going on? What's going on in this world? Why doesn't God do something? You know, the fact is that he did. He sent Jesus to pay for the evil in this world. And we have to have hope in that. We have to trust that. But not only that, we know that his word tells us that one day he will make all the wrongs right. One day. But until then, you know what he's saying? I want you to help me make a difference. I want you to be involved. I want you to change the world. I want you to bring good into the bad, light into the dark. We're to be salt and light in this world. He's, he's counting on us to make a difference. He's counting on us not to blend into the world, but to stand up and to stand out in a light that desperately, in a world that desperately needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world needs to hear about Jesus. And the world needs to see the gospel come to fruition in our lives. 
Not just by what we say, but by what we do. That's the world God wants. Just imagine if we all did this, all Christians, if we listened to God, right? Listened. And we lived out the principles of his word. And, and we loved the way that God does. What, what could God do? What could God do in this world? That's the rhythm that God wants us to be in. Listening, living, loving. That's the process of real faith. Not only, if we do this, not only will, will we grow, will we mature, will we change, but look, God will use each one of us to change the world. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time together this morning. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for speaking to us this morning. Father, help us to be better listeners of what you're trying to teach us. And we know that many times we're the cause of that. We put up barriers by many different means. What we've learned today is that anger is a barrier. Father, help us to be quick to listen, to hear what you have to say. Help us to be slow to speak and slow to anger. Father, many times you're trying to reveal something to us very important. Help us to be receptive of your word and your voice. Father, help us to not only listen, but help us to do like James said and live out the principles of your word. Father, we want our faith to be real. We want our faith to be genuine. We want you to accept us, to accept our faith through Christ. And Father, the mark of that is when we share your heart. When we display the heart of you and we have compassion, we see the needs uh, around us and we meet those needs with prayer and with our own lives, Father. That's the heart of you and that's what you want us to display. Forgive us for making faith in you simply a religion. Father, you have changed this world, you've changed us, and now you want to use us to continue changing lives here. Father, help us to go and to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that you have taught us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.